Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I am your host, Nelia Hutt. I am so happy that you have come here today to listen to this phenomenal woman. Um, her name is Mishy Castle. She is from the UK. Um, Mishy is an upcoming author. I am very excited to read her book. Um, she is the ambassador for child sexual abuse charity. She's a life mentor and counselor. It seems like everybody comes to her for advice. She is just a rock star. I have only just met her, you know, but I can see her heart right through the screen and she's a remarkable woman. So I just want to give her a warm welcome today. How are you, Mishy? Oh, I'm all right. I'm really well, actually. I'm loving being here already. <laughs> That's great. So you're from the UK. I am. I'm an Essex girl, I'm afraid, yes. Very nice. So I was born in East London, so I'm a Cockney by heart because I was born within the sand of Bow Bells, but I am an Essex girl. So <laughs> that's me. <awesome. laughs> it's great. It's so great to have you on today. Thank you so much. And no, thank you. You know, and if you're listening at home, you know, grab a coffee, grab a warm drink, uh, cozy up to the podcast because honestly, um, I think her story is really going to resonate with a lot of people. So yeah, I just want to dive right in, you know, the value that you're going to drop today. So can you please tell us a little bit about why you're on the podcast, what your story is about, and how far you've come. I know that's a lot. <laughs> I'm asking for a lot, but I want to hear it all. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's a very long, complicated story. Starts when I was about eight years old, when I was raped by a family member who was a few years older than me. And I never told a soul until I was 16. And I confided in my mum because I was in GCSE examination year here and was having a nervous breakdown. And we kept that secret to ourselves and only told one of our relatives, uh, never told my dad ever. My dad went to his grave, not knowing about it as far as I know, um, particularly because he would have just been, I just can't even describe what he would have done to the person that done that to me. And I just didn't want my dad to ever get in trouble. My dad was a wonderful man and he would have gone crazy and I just didn't want that to happen. And so I struggled on, I still struggled then. And then further things happened in life. Um, two years after that, my dad lost his mum and her brother in tragic circumstances. They were murdered in their own home. And uh, to this stage, nobody's ever been imprisoned for that. Mm. So um, that was very stressful on the family. So I still struggled on, struggled on. And then I think it must be six years after that, my dad had a massive stroke out of the blue. And mum and I were told to put him in nursing care and not bring him home from the hospital. 
which we did. We nursed him at home without any help um, for six years. Um, and then he passed away. I was left needing major back surgery for the lifting that I did for him. And my mental health was struggling and struggling and struggling. And eventually, after going on like this for years, um, we moved out of our home because we'd been basically deserted by all of our family. Nobody wanted to know us anymore. We were sort of surplus to requirements. And um, last year, my mum got bowel cancer out of the blue, completely out of the blue. And I remember sitting in intensive care with her that evening after her surgery, completely on my own. I mean, I've got the most beautiful friends in the world and they offered to be with me. And I said, it's okay, I'm okay. And um, I wasn't really, to be quite honest with you now. I wasn't. I was struggling inside. And I thought, as lovely and beautiful as my friends are, should not my mum come from a family of having 10 brothers and sisters and so many nieces and nephews, although most of her brothers and sisters have passed away. And I'm sitting here on my own. And I thought, mm. I know why I'm sitting here on my own. I've been pushed out of my own family for something I haven't done. And I vowed then that... I wasn't going to be treated like this anymore. And more importantly, my mum wasn't going to be treated like that anymore. So after I got out of hospital, um, unfortunately, though she made a full recovery from the cancer, she didn't have to have any further treatment with that. They've got it all, which is amazing. Uh, she had a bit of a nervous breakdown. I think it was because it was such a, a quick diagnosis, completely out of the blue. And for about two or three months leading up to Christmas, she was really poorly, I could barely get her out of bed, and she got thinner and thinner. She was having burning sensations all the time, no sleep. It was, it was completely hell for me and for her. And eventually I was sitting in the doctor's surgery one day, collecting medication for her because I couldn't even get her out of the house. They was coming home and doing blood tests, couldn't even get her to leave the house, couldn't even get her dressed. And the nurse said to me, and how are you? And I said, I don't know how much longer I can carry on like this. I was waiting for a hip replacement, which I've still not had because the back problems all these years had caused my walking to be strained. So I needed a full hip replacement. Uh, and so I'm barely walking now to walk myself. Get to my mum's little uh, and struggling to wash her and care for her. And I said to the nurse, oh, I can't take no more. I said, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. So she put me on a very low dose of antidepressants. And I told her, I told her all about what happened to me when I was young and everything else. And she said, would you consider counselling? And I thought, I've had experiences of counselling before, which have been complete disasters, mm. complete disasters. I said, oh, she'd just take the phone number and ring up and see. And I come home and that night I did. Got referred. They must have thought I was an emergency because everything's done on a number scale, how you're feeling, what you're going through. Well, they said, Within about two or three days, they said to me, we've got you right at the top of the list. And as soon as an appointment comes through, you'll be the first person to get it. I thought, oh my God, am I that bad? And then this guy phones me uh, just a couple of days after Christmas. He said to me, I have a vacancy. I know it's a really funny time. I know it's coming up to New Year. Would you like to come on Friday? And um, I thought, oh my God, it's a man. I can't tell him this. I can't tell him all the things I want to say. And um, I thought, come on, girl, you can do this. You can do this. So I remember sitting in my car outside the office. I thought, come on, we'll give it one last go. Well, I don't know if it was the man who is amazing. He was the best therapist I've ever spoken to. 
or it was the CBT that I was going there for, I couldn't tell you. All I can tell you was that day, which was the 30th of December, I recall, something changed in me forever. And we are now the 2nd of October, so we're 10 months or so down the line. And I can tell you now, there's not one day that I have felt like I wanted to end my life. And this is the longest I've ever gone in my life since I was eight with that feeling that I want to live and I'm making the most of my life now. So the sky's the limit now. Everything's changed. I've changed. I feel like I left Michelle Castle at the door and come home with <laughs> Michelle Castle and she moved in and she's here to stay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> First of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that those things happen to you. Thank you. Um, from our previous conversation, I'm so happy that you realized that you had nothing to do with that. Yes. Um, now I'm just, I'm picturing you at the hospital with your mom. And this is the person who you have the closest relationship with. Yes. And now her health is in jeopardy yes. and you're sitting there completely alone and you have all this family and just because you told the truth, like how horrifying that must have felt for you. And, you know, I just, I always say life is, is hard on its own, but going through life alone, when your mom is in that room, when she's recovering, when she had in the surgery, that must have been very, very difficult for you. But I can see how it was also giving you strength to say, you know what, if you're going to turn your back on me, then I can do this. You know, yeah. what a moment that must have been for you. It was. And I should tell you this as well, even up to she was in recovery over those that weekend, she still wasn't well, she was bleeding and stuff. And I got a message from the person that abused me on behalf of their mother um, and said, I understand that auntie's not well. And I answered him. Like a fool, I answered him. I said, yes, it's been very difficult. And um, that was there. And he said, oh, could we have your mobile number? Which they did have anyway. I've never changed it. I've never changed it since I was young. So nobody rang and nobody rang and she was getting worse. And, you know, out of desperation for her more than me, I rang him. I rang that person. And he never answered that phone. And this was last September. 2013. Mm. Even then, I was holding out an olive branch to somebody that had done that to me, and he never picked up the phone. I finally got hold of his mother and to tell him that my mum was in intensive care still because I told this rumour she wanted to speak to me. She said to me, Oh, I'm in a terrible rush after making out she didn't know who I was. And then said, I'll phone you back tonight. Well, I'm still waiting. And that was September 2019. So I know she's been very busy since. I've heard it all on the grapevine. But she couldn't even pick the phone up about her own sister. So after that, now I thought, well, that's it. I have done. That is it. It's over. No more game playing. I am not putting up with this anymore. So mm. they showed their trick. They had the last chance I was giving them to be civil. I don't have to give them a chance. I've given them more chances than you could possibly imagine. I, another person wouldn't have done what I've done. And they still smashed me in the face. So 
that was it. And actually, it's probably done me a big favor. So mm. in disguise, but still, yeah. Wow. And look at you, girl. I mean, you have it together. Like you're so confident and I could see the bravery in your face. Like just so proud of you. Thank you. Let's go back. You know, you, you describe so many things that you went through and each one of them it is large. So yes. even just having your dad, like I took care of my father as well. But my father, it was like a six month process. You went through this for years. I can't imagine the, the emotional draining, right? Because it's emotional, it's physically draining. Like it's, it's a lot of things, but just that one moment. But then I think, you know, I think back to when you were eight years old mm. and then what happened to you and, and not saying anything till you were 16. I cannot imagine what it would be like for an eight-year-old girl and what you would have been thinking at that time and how you would have had the strength to keep it inside for eight years yeah it was hard it was hard and it manifested in other ways because i was a straight a student i was a complete boffin i was i was i must be the lunatic i loved homework i was reading at every opportunity and suddenly i just hated school couldn't stand it went to secondary school at 11 hated it it was full of boys and i think i was starting to get really scared didn't like having boys around me started to get bullied friends turned on me hated it hated it hated it hated it to the point that my mum and dad sold the house where we lived and we moved a bit nearer london to where the rest of the family was and I went to a good school and everything was going fine and then when I got to 14 the school mixed with boys school and a mixed school so then there's all these teenage boys around and of course teenage boys now a teenage boy did to me what all those years ago so suddenly I'm back to having terrible skin complaints not being able to walk because I had rashes all over my legs yeah, because, sorry, when, when this happened to you, this person was only a few years older than you. It wasn't like a full-blown adult. It was like, no, no, so no. of course, when you went to the school and you saw people the same age, that what a trigger, what a horrible... Yeah, it's a trigger. Do you know, it's only recently that I've worked out that that was a trigger, but I still wasn't telling anybody. And my dad's thinking, my God, what's happened to my daughter? You know, he used to say to me, what's the matter with you? And I couldn't tell him. And it my grades were slipping, I was always ill, I was never at school, and people must have thought I was some rebel. It was nothing to do with that. I was just terrified to be in a classroom with boys. And it mucked my education up for years. People used to say, I thought she was really clever. But yeah, I am, but I'm damaged. And it was only when I got to the last a year of school and you know it was getting to the point my dad was getting fed up with me and I used to hide at my aunt's house in the day and because my dad was a night worker so he used to get out of bed about lunchtime so I had nowhere to hide indoors by then well because I don't oh. so I used to hide around there I used to walk the streets I used to hide in the library and change my clothes I become like this person that I wasn't I was a liar I was anything not to go to school and I, yeah, I got a few GCSEs, but I never got anything that I would have got straight A's in the whole lot and, and done what I wanted. 
And it was only when I was doing those exams, and one day my mum, I don't even know where my dad was, and we was just, she's saying to me, what's the matter with you? And in the end, I screamed at her, I went, do you remember the day that this happened? Yeah, I remember that day, because that's the day they thought I was starting an early period. And I told her exactly what happened, and she remembered, and I told her exactly who did what to me, and she cried her eyes out, and then we hit me at my aunt's, whose idea was to keep me quiet and not cause trouble in the family. And I thought, well, I thought you loved me and you'd help me, but she didn't. She kind of decided that uh, it was a big stigma on my family and she just wanted me to be quiet. And she said to me that it was child's play. It was nothing. And was I sure I wasn't imagining it? And then she said to me, we'll get you to a psychiatrist. But that wasn't because she wanted to help me. I think she thought, well, if I was crazy, then mm. that would solve the problem then and that would be the end of that but um I'm so glad you your mom believed you because some parents you know I'm so glad that you had at someone I've had friends and relatives that it's happened to and I know that their mothers wasn't the support that I've had so I've I'm I'm very blessed by that and as I said to you earlier I know I wouldn't be alive if my mom hadn't been that sort of mother because she was amazing and, and still is and she is my rock she is the person well you wouldn't think that I was a grown-up woman I still have to phone her when I get to places or she doesn't hear from me for 10 minutes she's on the phone are you all right mm. um, but really I'm very lucky I'm very lucky and I come so close to losing her last year that oh my god it's not yes. even better thinking about and I'm and, sorry you had to go through that alone yeah, I did. I mean, I, I say I went through it alone. I have got the best friend in the world. In fact, she's called Nell as well. So, <laughs> really? <laughs> I call her Nell, yeah. <laughs> she's an Ellen. So, um, and she held my hand through it all. And then, you know, I've got various other friends. My friend Liz and my friend Amy, and who just recently lost her mother, unfortunately. And various other people. My friend Catherine, I've had for since I was 12. And they held me up. Um, but really, I should have been being supported by my family. And because we got pushed out of the family, that never happened. Mm. So it was hard. And as I say, it wasn't so much for me, but it was for her, for mum, because she felt it. I know that it hurt her. And if it hurt her, it hurts me. And that's as simple right. as it is. So, yeah, it was tough. But She know, still stood behind you. She stood behind me, she stands me, she stands beside me, she's, she's there. I love that, I love that. And you know, I don't want to make this about the abuser, but if he's listening to this, like, how freaking dare you change the identity of an eight-year-old girl and control someone else? And the worst of it is, is I've given him chances. I have given him. I have forgiven him chances you would not believe. Yes. So that I could be part of my own family without feeling terrible. I never confronted him. I never embarrassed him. I just got on with it. And you know what, though, Mishy? Now, now you can look at yourself in the mirror and feel good about who you are. Oh, I do. But no? I feel a fool as well, to be honest with you. And that that's why I've decided now that I'm not putting up with it anymore. And you know what? You know what I think? I think we're giving him too much, uh, too much control in this podcast yeah, exactly. show. 
I want to know more about what you're doing. So what is your book about? Is it your story? Well, I've done, I've always been a writer. Always loved writing. My whole job as a studious kid. And uh, I think uh, a lot of it stems from healing. And I was given um, chores and exercises to do in the CBT. Was to keep a diary, keep a journal, write down how you feel. And that's what I was doing. And it kind of brought back a lot of uh, passion for writing. Mm. And I think um, really um, where it went from there was I got involved with If Only, which is a child sexual abuse charity. And um, they're great ladies and I'm an ambassador for them now. They're just they're, they're getting yeah. off the ground. They're, they're getting their charitable status. And it's all early days and it's difficult with the COVID because a lot of events that were planned can't happen and, and stuff so it's going a little slower than um than they would like but still and they told me about a, a group of people called the survivors memoirs and they are a group of people that have had sexual abuse and they was all writing one chapter each in a book anonymously or partly first name middle name but not full name so that's fine and this book uh, proceeds once it's published and they've had much interest in this. Um, the donation uh, would be fully for the If Only Charity. So the book is basically being published in, in respect of giving them the money from the first year. I love that. And I read your chapter, powerful yeah. story. Yeah. The way that you write it and you go, it's like, I felt like I was you in that room when you were eight yeah it's like the yeah. power behind great storytelling like just your writing is so beautiful and really it's very heartwarming you know the way that you write so i love that i'm gonna put that book in the show notes at the end so if people want to grab a copy yeah yeah it's um it's pretty good stuff and um it it was hard to write but it it was very therapeutic for me and it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because I've worked on myself a lot before I wrote it. And I think that's, that's what made it easier. I think that um, that's what kind of got me thinking. And then I, I've done a lot of different things in lockdown and I met a lovely lady, Liz, who you've interviewed and uh, discussed things with her and she's put me in touch with her mentor Sam who you've interviewed and they're what a beautiful group of girls let me tell you and uh they said to me would you be interested in writing your book so that's what I'm I'm near completion now I'm in the process of doing that thinking about book two book three wow. I, I completely opening up what genres I'm going to write I, I'm quite interested in writing uh, some biography stuff because I had the most beautiful nanny in the world that lived with us. She had the most fabulous, like she was my best pal, absolutely. Oh. And she had a big family. She had an amazing life. And she used to say to me, Mishy, you've got to write my story one day. And I go, yes, man. And now I feel like I can. So that is definitely on there. And, but I'm also really interested in writing um, murder stuff, mysteries. It's oh, always it's always been something I'm interested in crime writing. So um, I've got some links there with friends and stuff. So that's something that I'm going to look into. I, my influence now on myself is that I don't say no. If I want to do something, 
then I do it. I don't think too much about it. If I want to do it, I do it. If I don't want to do it, don't do it. That's terrific. I love it. I love it. So mm. what is the biggest gift that you have given to yourself in the last 10 months? I would say the biggest gift I've given to myself is I actually love myself. Oh, I love it so much. I've given, and I'll tell you what I've given myself, if I'm honest, I've given myself my life back. And that's what I've given myself. Because mm. I didn't have a life. I had an existence. I've had an existence for 37 years, if I'm honest. And I used to look at my friends and think, why am I the only one that goes from one life crisis to the next? I've had people say she makes it up about me. Because everything seems to be like one crisis after another. But I, sadly, you know, sadly, you're not the only one. I have interviewed, you know, so many people that have gone through so many things. And, you know, life is still not over. No, you know? exactly. So. Mm -hmm, got to figure out, we got to, you know, learn about ourselves and try to figure out ways to help ourselves too, right? Exactly. But, so I think to me, uh, I do love myself in a good way and in a positive way. And I've given myself my life back. And I don't, actually, I don't even think about comparing my life to other people's anymore. I think because I've got my own life, um, I don't look at, I mean, I, I take interest, but I don't worry about it. You know, when people go traveling or they, they're going here or doing that, I just sit at home every weekend and go, oh God, I'm sitting <laughs> here. And, what have I done to deserve this? Don't think like that now. Don't think like it. And as I said to you, people say to me, we have to make appointments for you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true though, right? When you start thinking of yourself and doing all the things you never gave yourself permission to do, mm. people start to see you less and they're like, well, she's so busy now. She's too good for us, you know? And it's, it's true. Like, when, when, since I've started the podcast and I'm trying to create this online business and trying to help people and I have a full-time job, my mom says the same thing. She goes, well, you've forgotten all about me. And I'm, I'm like, it's not that. Like, just be happy that I'm trying to put time into myself, that I'm trying to learn to love myself more, that I'm trying to, you know. But the end results are going to be amazing because I am now looking into making my own website. I'm just about to launch a blog. I have um, so many ideas, so many ideas for the future in many respects. I've just joined the most amazing online uh, group, The Blossom Effect, and I have a personal trainer now. I never used to get off the couch, couldn't walk, used to hobble. Um, I do yoga. I am going to try and do a charity uh race in later on in the year if not only next year but i think it's late this year for my friend who's got an animal charity and we're going to do things for her and honestly i i think my little guru my um my personal trainer she's my friend yeah terry she's the most i call that inspiring this girl is so lovely she's completely changed my outlook on things she gets me journaling every week to do tasks for self-love and self-care and these are all new concepts to me because I just spent the whole of my life in the drudge and um, don't, not now, completely. Do you, find, do you find that you have a newfound energy and a love for life and just like excited to have your life and 
yeah it's this mm-hmm. i have a life i i didn't realize this is what I, <laughs> it was <laughs> this is what they call having a life and uh i know i feel invincible mm. in a way i feel invincible i feel completely different i hold my head up i've got no shame i haven't done anything wrong and i don't intend to spend the rest of my life paying for what somebody else did to me and that's what i was doing and i'm not doing it anymore and i will not hide and anybody that expects me to hide are going to be in for a big shock because i'm only just beginning this journey yes i have achieved a lot in a very short amount of time not been easy because of the covid limits you um but this is only the beginning so i'll don't you see because i'm coming and uh, i've got a lot to do yet i want to make my my dad was the most amazing man he done everything for me and i want to make him as proud as i am to be his daughter proud to be my mum's daughter my nan my nanny alice was my best mate and she is up there guiding me all the way i mean i'm a very spiritual person so i get a lot of a lot of guidance and she's always there she was always there for me down here and she's still up there for me now do you know what she used to say to me when because she lived till she was 97 and i was 24 but she didn't she didn't think she'd live that long she because i was her baby she used to say to me when i'm gone look out of the window look up at the stars and say my name loves me now i'm 45 years old and if i told you i still stand in my back garden and look up at the sky and say my name loves me at my age and it still gives me the same strength that it's given me for the last 20 years 21 years um there you go oh god (laughs) that is true here's the box of kleenex again coming out everything that i do is because i was used to say i had three parents because she was always with us she was always with us and um she lived with us she died in her house she lived with us and um i was lucky and i feel now is my time to show the world how lucky i was and that i am going to be everything that that little girl missed out on and you know it's even silly little things maybe i could never swim properly because i had grommets put in my ears so in those days you weren't allowed to go swimming and mine would come out of mine taken out and i was by then i was really self-conscious of stuff i think because of what had happened to me didn't like going swimming wouldn't go swimming i could swim but not really. i'd probably have drowned <laughs> that good <laughs> swimmer <laughs> i I'm starting next week having advanced swimming lessons one-to-one to get my swimming how it should be. And it's various things. I plan to do um, a wing walk next year for my 46th birthday. You're incredible. Jump out of a plane. It's everything. It's all the things I wanted to do when I was young, too scared to live. I'm doing. Amazing. Amazing. Like, you're such a good advocate, like a... F- like a force to be reckoned with, you know, for, for child sexual abuse cases, like just, you are like a powerhouse. Like I can see, you know, you're feisty. You're going to have an incredible second half of your life. Yeah. You are, you're in control. You're, you're going after all the things that make you happy. And I honestly, you know, I keep saying this, but 
it takes a lot. It takes a lot to, um, to get that far. And I'm, you know, you should be very proud of yourself. If I told you I was, I'd say like a big head, but I am, I'm proud no, of myself. No, you should, you should be. And it's okay. You know, people say, oh, it's, it's, when you talk about yourself, it's so selfish and you think that you're better than other people, you know? And that's why I say that in my podcast, because so many people believe that. And I think when you get to a point in your life, and I think a lot of people hit that when they're in their forties, you know, honestly, but when you get to that point in your life where you realize it's brave, it takes bravery to talk about yourself, you know, like I remember when I was reading that chapter in the book that you, um, the survivor's memoirs, you had talked about trying to be invisible like that you gained weight and that you did all these things so people wouldn't see the real you underneath mm. right like you were talking about so people didn't notice you you were trying to you know and now it's like no come notice me you know this is who i am yeah i mean i have i i kind of tried to make myself invisible and i thought if i cut my hair short and looked a bit boyish and put on a bit of weight and stayed indoors that nobody would ever want me and then i would never have to be in an intimate relationship with anybody because that is something that i still have difficulty with obviously you're protecting you're protecting yeah. yourself then i'm never going to be in the position where anybody's going to try and do that to me again because it terrifies me it terrifies me to have internal examinations and the so sad part the sad part is that to people like that, it doesn't matter what you look like. No, of course it doesn't. But to the person that yes. has to, it certainly does. Because you're um, trying to do all the things to avoid, right? All the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's terrible because then you get to this age and you realize you missed out on having a whole life because of your fear that was caused by somebody else's doing and they've had a completely normal life and you've missed out on everything. and. I think that's one of the other things that I thought, you know, and people go, did you not want children? Well, yes, I did want children, but it's pretty difficult to have children when, you, when you're terrified of intimacy and your whole life is completely gone completely differently to how you wanted it. And, but now, you know what, if I don't get a child of my own naturally, I might get lucky. Somebody might get lucky, who knows? If I do, <laughs> brilliant. If I don't, then I'd foster, I'd adopt. I always had this attitude. If I can't have a child with who I want to have a child with naturally, I don't want somebody else's child. But I don't think like that now. Yeah. I don't think that. I'd be a brilliant mother. And so, quite frankly, if it's going to be a different way, it's going to be a different way. I've never done my life the, the straight way. It's always gone round the corners. <laughs> so, do you know what? What would be nothing new to me? So, You'd be I an incredible mom. You would be I so... Such a great role model, you know, and with you knowing that you're going to be, um, hopefully, you know, as the ambassador for that, for that charity, knowing that you're going to be working with these, with these people, like it, it gives me hope yeah. because I think you're going to be a great at that job. Well, I, 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 I just support them. I mean, the, the two girls, Joe and Karen, they're, they're the mainstay behind it. I'm just one of the proper uppers, but I want to help them as much as I can because I just think their vision is amazing. But you've I, already helped people. People are listening to this. So you've yeah. already helped them. You're yeah. going to help them with your book. You're going to help, you know, 
sometimes when people are, are not in that place to, to speak up, mm. they can buy a book quietly online. They yeah. can read quietly. Mm. So even if you're not ready to come out into the world and, and tell your story, because that will heal you. Yeah. But even if you're not ready to do that, you can still get the help by reading other people's stories, by listening to podcasts, by Absolutely. doing things, you know, and not anybody needs to know until mm. you're ready. No, absolutely. I think, I think, you know, I wished that I'd had me. I think I said this before. I wished I'd had a me when I yes. was in that position. Yeah. And um, if I could be half as good a mum as my mum was and her mum was before I bought them, that would be job done for me. So, yeah. And if I can't, then I can be a mother figure to people that oh. need it. Yes, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I, like, oh my God. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just, you know, I'm a little bit speechless because I just, you know, we all go through different things and some are more difficult than others. And some are, you know, we don't compare one thing to something else, but I just try to think of each of those things that you talked about and how you're a survivor of each one and how much you can teach other people yeah. and how much, how far you've come. Like, you're probably looking at that little girl now going, hey girl, look, you know, you did it. Yeah. Despite this, despite that, despite this being thrown at you, what an opportunity you have now through your book and through your story to help other people. I'm glad that you're doing a blog and I'm glad that you're doing a website and I'm glad that you're putting it out there because honestly, um, you know, I wish this hadn't have happened to you, but since it had and you're using your story now, and, and you're able to, you know, this is still very fresh. This is 10 months of yeah. you, of you doing this, of, you know, and I'm thinking, I just thinking of so many things that are going through my mind. Like I'm thinking of that nurse that gave you that phone number mm. thinking of, you know, just takes one person to believe. And, and you said you have good friends and all those people, you know, if you're listening at home and you think somebody might be going through some of the things that Mishy went through, you know, be that person, be that person, reach out to them. You know, if you're the mom or the dad of, of a child who comes to you and says, Hey, I've been sexually abused, believe them. Even, you know, let's say 0.5% are making it up. You don't know, just believe them anyways because they're children. And if they come to you, you know, be that mom. Like I think of your mom and I'd love to have her on the show and interview her because what a rock, like incredible. Yeah, she is. She is. She's beautiful. I'm biased, but she's beautiful. And, uh, <laughs> it just, true. it warms my heart because these stories of hope and these stories of survival and, you know, it's like nobody can take that away from you. No. I just, I wouldn't do this for her as much as me because she, she's, she's not had no life. She's not really had a life since I told her because yeah. she had to lie to her own husband. I had to lie. I mean, we loved my dad more than anything in the world, but we all lived a lie until he got ill from that day until it's about eight years. We lived a lie. We had a lie in our house. And that was That clear. must have been very hard for your mom. Yeah. To keep that from your dad. Yeah. 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 We were living a lie in our own family to protect somebody else's family, which is what I've got told I have to do. 
and that their mother mustn't be upset. Okay, but it was the right from. I actually can't believe I was that stupid sometimes. But still, it's not. It's not. Don't say that because it's not your fault. It's not. You know, we do what we know in the moment. Mm. If we knew better, we would have done better at that moment. So don't think of it that way because, yeah. you know, it sounds like you have forgiven certain things, which doesn't mean you forget and you'll never forget. But no. that forgiveness or that moving on, let's say, mm. will be the one thing that will help you so much. Yeah. I think I just want to be back in a normal family which yeah. wasn't really going to happen, but that was what I wanted. And I also wanted, I just wanted to make sure my dad didn't know because my dad, my dad would have gone crazy and I just didn't want that for him. And, and that's, well, luckily that, that never became a, a, a problem. But I think to myself, you know, um, we lived a lie in our own household. It put, it put, and then we lost our family because my dad got ill and he, he couldn't even speak. When he was mm. ill so we lost our family pretty young and all those years up to losing our family was not easy we did we had a a, a a strange kind of undertone because we was keeping like we never told lies and kept things from each other we wasn't like that and um uh, even in the chapter when you read the chapter and you've read the chapter it says the day that i was sitting in that bath when I was yes. old and my nan and my mum was in there and they were thinking, oh, you know, maybe I've started things really early on in life and that. And I knew that it wasn't that. And I was lying to them. And that, as I said to you, there's many a time that I had to keep lying for years. Because um, once you tell one lie, you tell another lie. Yeah, and but I don't know if you were, if at eight years old and what happened to you, it's not a lie, honey. You're not just a trying lie. No, it's it's protecting yourself. You were afraid. You were afraid. Yeah, I was. I wasn't afraid. Any 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 freaking eight year old kid would be afraid. Any eighteen yeah. year old kid would be afraid. Yeah. Any twenty eight yeah. year old woman would be afraid. Yeah, absolutely. I think now I'm older, I can see that. But I I felt really guilty for years about what I thought I was lying to them. And uh, again, you know. I've suddenly been made into a per not only have I gone through an experience that was horrific beyond words, I've also become a person that's gone down this journey for years, living this existence, that I know for a fact that I never would have had this life if that had not happened to me that afternoon. And yes. the repercussions of that have, have completely followed me around for over 30 odd years. So yeah, because you only get one life. Well, you do. You only get this one life. Why, this is one of the most horrible crimes because, you know, with murder, it's over. Yes. And this is one of the worst things because you literally change someone's identity forever. Absolutely. You change the trajectory of their life. Yeah. You make them stronger, yes. Mm. But it's like a delay. I think, and I was thinking about this this afternoon, I was very childish, very childish. It's very funny thing to say, really. I sort of stuck as a child in many ways because of what happened to me. And then I was also a bit like an old lady. So mm. I was sort of a combination of an old lady and a child because of what happened to me. It kind of took me off on a, 
But I was never a teenager, a young adult, a older adult. I was always a cross between an old lady and a kid. No, but you know, I'm not a therapist and I'm not going to pretend to be one, but I can understand that. Like I just, to a point, to a point, I cannot understand, you know, how it feels to go through that. And I won't pretend I do, but I can see that that would be like a coping mechanism from from the outside that you don't want to be where you are, like living in the present, right? No, it's very much a hiking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that. I'd see you'd be the protector, but all this, all at the same time, the child wanting the love and the comfort and the, you know, and being a scared of growing up. It's a scared yeah. of growing up. I was terrified of growing up because of what happened to me. I was terrified of growing up. And it was almost like I could cope with being a kid. And then if I could miss out the growing up bit and be an old lady, then that was fine. It was the living bit in between I was having trouble with. And because, um, like you said, you were also afraid of it happening again. Yeah absolutely terrified yeah terrified and that's still something that i'm not dealing i'm still not dealing with that is something that's got to be dealt with but that is on the list to be dealt with one thing at a time honey i i I say you're doing pretty awesome well i did say it yesterday i've never done before i can say on podcast (laughs) i had inch loss therapy to tone up my belly wow brilliant she was lovely but i had to stand in my knickers in the nude, part of my knickers to be measured, completely in the nude, with a stranger, and I just did it. Good for you. And I would never have done that a year ago, ever. You've got to be joking. I would not have done it. A poor woman would no. never be do it. You are like, when I first saw you on the, because uh, we're on Zoom here recording, like, you're so beautiful, you know, you are. And then when I got to meet you more on the inside, so, you have nothing to be ashamed of inside or outside, honestly. Like, I've never felt very beautiful. I've always been made to feel kind of like I'm nothing in this family. It's mm. really weird because it's not like they don't believe you because I've had conversations with people that do believe me, but it's like, can you please just shut up because this is a stigma. So it's best you stay in the corner, like the loony one, and out of the way and really, I'll talk to you, but I'll talk to you on the quiet. I don't really want others to know that I speak to you because you're a bit tainted really I've always had that feeling you know Mm. I've always had that feeling it's like oh god and you know when you don't yeah when you don't feel very good about yourself it's easy to agree with them well they used to call me big Michelle behind my back because I've got a cousin called Michelle as well and that slipped out once I was talking about Michelle and they said to me what big Michelle and I went no little Michelle I wouldn't mind. There was the person, people that were saying it about me were three times the size that I was at the time. I know I had lost a lot of weight since then. But I thought, oh, this is nice. You've even got a pet name for me. You know, it's like, okay, so it's like in a bully situation too. I've been learning a lot, right? So the problem is not with you. Like, I hope you see that. The problem is with all these other people who are trying to, um, they're trying to not be ashamed that this this guy did what he did. They're trying to live their life and you know in a bubble and try to ignore what happened. They're trying to, you know, do all these things and put it onto you when in fact they're probably not very happy. 
They're probably sad. They probably need some therapy. You know, they probably, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like I hope everybody gets the help they need because it's so easy for somebody to bully somebody else when they're unhappy. So it's about them, not you. Yeah. You know, you know what it is? I think when there's more of them than you are, you, you can't, oh. think, must be me then, don't you? Of this course. Do, but I don't think that. Because, we're, you know, you're an adult and you've done the work and you've put in the time, you know, and it's hard, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're, when you're feeling vulnerable and you're in that space, of course you believe it. You know, if somebody tells you you're stupid enough, you're going to believe it. If somebody yeah. says you're fat, you're going to start calling yourself fat because that's how you know, people make you feel like people um, has changed how we feel about ourselves. I, I say in the chapter, I used to take laxatives. I used to make myself sick. I had a uh, gastric band surgery, which I was allergic to. I've got this bit of rubber stuck in me that I'm hoping one day somebody will either flatten or take out because all the weight that I lost, I lost from my own guy because that never worked. And I used to self-harm. I used to cut myself and that's not even in the chapter, but that I did, I used to cut my arms. And I never told anybody about that. I never told anybody about that until I watched a soap opera over here and see a, a young girl in there doing it. And I used to do it when I was young. And watching that lovely young girl give this a performance that made me cry my eyes out, uh, it's made me fess up to that even. And that was only about two or three years ago. So mm. it was all things that um, changed my life. So it's, it's been going on for a while, the changes, but it wasn't until mum got ill that I was forced to really, really change. But um, how is yeah. your mum today? How is well, she doing? we have brilliant news today. She's got her blood results back. She has to have three monthly uh, blood tests to make sure her iron levels are okay. And we've gone on a year since surgery. And she got a letter back today to say that uh, they're all good. And she's now going to six months review into three. That's wonderful news. So that is wonderful. She's looking smashing. I've got my mum back. <laughs> and when we can get out of this country, I'm going to take, because she was, she was um, 80 last year. You'd never think it. You wait till you see it. She looks about 50. People think I'm the mother. <laughs> but, I don't go that far. But... Um, then she can because she never got to celebrate the big birthday I wanted to do for her. She was too ill to have. Then I said, We'll make it up next year. We well, don't look like we're gonna make it. She's November her birthday. Don't look like that's gonna happen again, does it? So next year, hopefully, I've <laughs> got written out and published. Lots more therapy, lots more doing what I want to do, living our lives. And she's an Italian girl. My granddad was Italian, so she's part she's half Italian. So um, I'm gonna take her to Italy. Hopefully. Wow, I love it. Yes, beautiful. If we can get there, if we can fly there safely, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's lots to look forward to. I'm not looking back now, now. I'm looking forward. The only thing that I want is I just sort of just a little bit of settlement in my own mind that I am in the right. I've done nothing wrong. And just that's that got to be made clear in certain departments. But other than that, I just want to have the life that I should have had. Absolutely. In and he's already job, taken enough of it. He's not having another day of me, honestly. And, uh, you know, never, you never know what's around the corner for these people. They, they, they smile too much. And uh, everyone, everyone pays in the end for mm. their crime. So in one way or another. Yeah, and uh, it's not that we wish, we don't wish bad on anybody, but, you know, things do work out. Um, See, in I all could never aspects. 
theatre and watch some, I mean, he's had a front row seat to me all these years. And I just think it takes a particular special kind of horrible to sit there and watch somebody dying in front of you, basically. Yeah. And never do that tiny little thing, just try it. And I'm gonna say one last thing on this. All I ever wanted was two words. I'm sorry. And that would have made so much difference in my life. And I never got them. And that's all it was, two words. Mm. Even if he couldn't say, I'm sorry, what if he just said, yes, you're right, it happened? Well, yeah, anything like Because that. you kept saying, he kept denying it, never, never, just pretended it no, didn't he just happen. just carried on like nothing had ever happened. But he could see me struggling. He could see that I never married, I never had any relationships, I was always indoors, years were going on and on and various things. I mean, you could see, you could see. There was loads of, loads of clues, loads and loads of clues. But you know, um, you're control, you're in control now, girl. And yeah. your life is going to be everything you want it to be. It's probably going to be more, do you know that? <laughs> because I think because I've been through what I've been through, my mindset is completely different. Hmm. I don't, I don't look back. I look forward. I look back. Yeah, I suppose I do look back, but I don't look back with anything other than that's gone. I'm going that way. The only thing I say is that I'm very protective of that little girl. She's, she's my thing. As you she's should my, be. Yeah, she, she's the one that gets, gets the special attention from me now. And, and that's by giving, having the best love possible with the best people possible. I really value my special people. My mum, my best friend, my nail, my other friends, Liz and Kath and all that. And my inspiring friends that I've made this year, my Blossom Effect Terry and my friend Debbie, um, who is a brilliant author. She's she inspired me and all the lovely people that I've, I've met opened up my heart again. So, and I'm sure and you've done even more for them. And you. And you. <laughs> Aww, you're so sweet. You're awesome. Can I have you back when your book is out? You can have me back whenever you like. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it when, you're, when your book comes out next year to have you back on. And I'm dying to, you know, to read it and to support you. And, you know, if you ever need anything, just, just reach out to me, you know. Oh, if you ever come to Canada, come over. <laughs> oh, I'll be there. Oh, don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be lovely. I would love that. But I'm so honored. I'm so honored to have met you and connected with you. And honestly, it's people like you that give me hope for human, human um, interaction, human healing mm -hmm. for the new, you know, for the next generation. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to today? Oh my God, we could be here all night. <laughs> I think that, you know, I'm really grateful that I lived because I, we were sitting in the hospital one day and she'd had more tests, mum, and this anaesthetist guy was saying to her, I don't know how long we've got to get this out. She said, is this going to kill me? He said, I don't know. And we sat there in this canteen cafeteria place when we come home and we were both sitting there and we knew we was going to see the surgeon on the Tuesday. I think this was the Friday. And we spent the whole weekend like we was in mourning. We thought that they was going to tell us that they wasn't going to be able to do anything or 
just going to have to have a life sentence, basically. And I had decided that if she was going to die, then so was I. And she kept saying, are you going to be all right? And I went, yes, because I know what I'm going to do. And she used to say, what? And I used to say, well, if you're going, I'm coming with you. And she said, ridiculous, stop saying that. And I was, and I meant it. I'd even written letters to my friends. And I said, because I've got my little Arthur, my cat, he's my baby. And I said, if mum died, then I was going to have Arthur put to sleep because nobody could look after him like we can. And um, give my letters to my friends and I was going to kill myself. And that's that was the plan. And she kept saying to me, don't be ridiculous. But it was the plan and I would have gone through with it. I would have gone through with it. But um, we got lucky. Somebody was on our side for once and I got my mum back. And then I got my life back. So... Well, let me, let me tell you, I'm glad that your mom pulled through and I'm glad that you did not do that because no. the world would be at a loss. You have so many gifts that you can share and um, yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad yeah, that I'm glad it didn't happen too. Yeah, I'm, you. you know, the best is yet to come, girl. It is, it is the best <laughs> is yet to come. It really is. And I really, I really, I don't only feel it and I don't only wish it, I know it and, and, and that's the difference now. I, I know it. So thank you. Thank you, Neil, for all your kindness and all your time. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank you. But the honor is mine. Like these stories really, um, yeah, your story really touched me. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks Bye. everybody for listening and um, check out her chapter in the survivor's memoirs. We'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. And where can people um, find you on social media if they want to touch base or just maybe have, maybe they have some questions. Maybe they're having a hard yeah, time. Well, and... I'm on Facebook. I'm just about to do a separate uh, Facebook page and I will give you all those details as soon as I've got them. Um, my website is up and in process of being constructed, but that awesome. is www.themichicastle.com. And uh the blog uh when dreams come true um, one day at a time uh is also just so i think well, one of my first things will be this lovely experience i've had this afternoon with you <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> the blog and that but uh yeah and i'm also um a new instagram page has come up uh the Mishy castle a new chapter so it's that's all amazing yeah you know it's it's moments like these that make me really happy I started this show. Yeah. You know, this, this is awesome. Thank you for helping so many women and men and, you know, listening to the show. And, you know, if this has happened to you, your life is not over. There's so much oh. more coming. There's so much more to look forward to. There's so many reasons why you need to stay. Yeah. So. I promise you there is. Honestly, I do. I swear. You really Get the help you need. Fight for yourself. Don't mm -hmm. let anybody stop you. This is your life. Don't let no one get in the way anymore. Don't waste your life like I did. You Aww. get help today. You get. You make that first step today. You didn't waste your life. You were robbed of part of your life. I There's a difference. But yeah. <laughs> I'm making up for it. So please, yeah. that's what I would say to your listeners. Please, today, take the first step and giving yourself the life you deserve, please. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. 
See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.